Welcome to Innovations for Aging Well, presented by Thrive Center Kentucky and awg55.com. This monthly podcast is powered by CDW, which is a provider of technology products and services for healthcare, business, government, and education. This episode highlights thought leadership in the long-term care sector as early adopters of new technologies providing better care of residents. Today, we are focusing on artificial intelligence. In a few minutes, you will be introduced to innovative engineer and entrepreneur Deepak Gadapati. Deepak founded VirtuSense to develop a tool that could um, proactively identify fall risk in older adults. His company has also presented several other products, which Deepak will be discussing, including VST Balance and VST Alert, which are also applying predictive artificial intelligence in clinical applications. Our second guest, Larry Carlson, is president and CEO of United Methodist Communities in New Jersey. Larry will share applications of the three products Deepak's company created, VST Alert, VST Balance, and VST One. And Larry will be sharing the applications in the clinical and residential communities operated by UMC. First, we have the pleasure of meeting Sherry Rose. Sherry is the Executive Director of Thrive Center, a nonprofit innovation center focused on wellness and aging. And again, we'd like to thank our sponsor, CDW, provider of technology products and services for healthcare, business, government, and education as sponsors of Innovations for Aging Well. So good morning, everyone. Everyone's online. Larry, Deepak, Sherry. Morning. Morning, Dale. Good morning, Dale. So Sherry, let's kind of set the background for today's program. Uh, why do we why are we getting ready to hear from uh, Deepak and Larry Carlson? Well, you know, as the Thrive Center, uh, you already mentioned our mission is really to promote healthy aging. And we are a showcase here of a lot of innovative products and solutions where people can come in and immerse themselves in the technologies and really experience what it's like to age well and independently. And so with the pandemic, we've been um, impacted like everyone else. We've had fewer people who have been able to come in, and yet we also see people who cannot travel to come and visit us, but would like to see what's going on at the Thrive Center. So we thought, how do we push innovation external to the Thrive Center? And so one of our ideas was to start a podcast series where we not only highlight uh, the innovative solutions around wellness and aging, but we highlight our thought leaders. Uh, so you'll hear from Larry today from United Methodist, who is also on our board. And you're going to hear from uh, Deepak on uh, all the technologies uh, that VirtuSense Technologies is uh, about. And so today, they'll focus a lot on fall risk because what we realize is there's a cost of $50 billion a year being spent in our healthcare system on falls. That's extremely important because we see that as the decline of our aging adults. So happy to be on this podcast, introduced to the series, and uh, let's turn it over and let's hear from Larry and Deepak. Very good. Thank you so much, Sherry. So, uh, Deepak, as we talk about VirtuSense, um, let's start in the beginning, if you will. Uh, your, the, your company was founded in 2013, and I understand as part of your backstory, you had a grandmother who uh, 
walking to the bank broke her hip. And that was kind of the impetus for what you began. Is that, is that about right? That's, that's about true, Dale. So my background is in uh, machine vision and uh, uh, artificial intelligence. So way back, I mean, 13 years back, uh, we developed the first airport security scanner that is used in most U.S. airports. And uh, uh, we sold quite a bit to the U.S. government and across pretty much airports across the whole world. So after that, took a break and uh, started working with DOD, uh, with U.S. Army developing technology that involved tracking. while I was doing that, uh, my 68-year-old grandmother, on her way to the bank, she fell, broke her hip, and she died within uh, 10 days after her fall. So, which was, I mean, I mean, who anticipates that, right? I mean, she was a very healthy person, used to walk three to four miles a day, and all of a sudden, I mean, you see that happen, and half the family are physicians. No one knew she was a fall risk, which was very unfortunate. And yeah, that, yeah, and I mean, I can't imagine that either because you would think with physicians, they would kind of notice her gait, perhaps, perhaps yeah. her balance was off, but uh, no one took notice of that. And so you began asking them, you began asking caretakers, like, surely somebody saw this. You, so you kind of did some uh, investigation, basically. Yeah, yes, still. I mean, being an engineer, I mean, obviously, you're always like, I mean, why did this happen in the first place? Obviously, we loved our grandmother, so we were pretty much shocked. It took us a few months to un- really get out of it. And then afterwards started the process of how can we figure out uh, if a person is at risk for fall before they fall, right? I mean, that's when did quite a bit of research, had access to uh, a med school and a couple of hospitals, started working, I mean, talking to a lot of clinicians, mm-hmm. trying to understand what can we do to prevent falls. Mm-hmm. So out of that, I mean, the whole thing that was born was Vorticense. And mm-hmm. uh, technically on the books we started in 2012, but uh, we licensed some of the technology we developed for U.S. Army through TATRIC, the telemedicine uh, medicine and tele-robotic command of U.S. Army. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we started Vortisense uh, in 2013. Can we, um, in terms of the uh, make sure our listeners understand uh, artificial intelligence as an application to your products in the clinical setting uh, where Larry is using it, who we'll talk to shortly, um, is can you, in terms of AI, uh, Hollywood's already cashed in on it, right? Like you have the movie uh, uh, Space Odyssey 2001. Hal, why are you doing this? Hal, why are you getting out of bed? You know, uh, is it is it that is it that futuristic, or is that pretty much captures what AI is? I know that's just scratching the surface. <laughs> so I mean, there is a bunch of ways of uh, cutting through AI, right? I mean, at the end of the day, as you said, I mean, AI is all about teaching computer, not only just to gather data, but to understand the data and make some decisions based on it. Mm-hmm. So at a very, very basic level, I mean, uh, uh, we started using neural networks back in like 20 years back when I was in the school. Mm-hmm. So that was the impetus of what we see today as AI. It's more about making decisions based on data. And uh, I mean, we, we started, I mean, if you think about falls, there is a lot of data, but really, I mean, no one really understood how to use and apply this data. So for example, I mean, uh, you could do a two quick minute assessment, two minute assessment and figure out who's at risk today with our technology, mm-hmm. right? And then it tells you, I mean, VSD balance identifies people at fall risk in under two minutes, figures out if you have a musculoskeletal or like a visual or a vestibular issue and helps design a care plan. 
So as a result, what you're seeing is uh, identifying seniors in primary care, ambulatory settings, as well as in post-acute care in various uh, CCRCs and skilled ALIL communities. Residents who didn't think they were at fall risk, I mean, are being identified ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And they're being told, I mean, these are the deficiencies that you need to watch out for. Mm -hmm. so at this point, the clinicians get involved and they take care of these people. And I mean, most of them are getting de-risked. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're trying. That's what we're doing with balance. So you have VirtuSense, you have uh, VST Balance, and then you have VST Alert, which I get, understand came online in uh, 2019 using infrared rays to predict when a patient is getting ready to exit their bed. Yeah. Yes, Dale. So I mean, it's, it's a journey, right? When you start a company, I mean, you start on a problem. So we, we looked into falls, and first thing, I mean, I just was based on, uh, at the end of the day, we started this company to increase access of care for seniors. So our premise was very simple. You don't have to fall or have a heart attack to be cared for. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing is we're using IoT and AI to predict a head of time. Mm -hmm. I mean, when a fall will happen, when you're going to have a heart attack, Mm -hmm. So we can uh, send this information to the right person in the right place so that they can take care of you. So we start with VST balance on the fall side, uh, more from a population health perspective. Mm -hmm. And we started de-risking a significant amount of people, about 40 to 60% of them. I mean, we reduced the falls across various settings, whether it be primary care, whether it be post-acute. Uh, and then... There is about a 40 to 50% of people who, even if you provide care or, or therapy or neuro, neuro, neurologist interventions, mm -hmm. they're not going to get better because of aging, right? It's a natural process. You can't stop it. Right. So how do we take care of these people mm -hmm. in post-acute care institutions like skilled or assisted living, memory mm -hmm. care, or there are about a million falls that happen inside hospital rooms every mm -hmm. year. How okay. do we stop them? So that's where we started developing a new technology that goes on the wall and figures out someone is getting out the bed even before they do. Mm -hmm. What we did is we took about 2 million hours of data of people getting out from beds okay. in a hospital or in a nursing home setting. Okay. And based on that, we developed the AI algorithm that mm -hmm. knows ahead of time, 30 mm -hmm. to 65 seconds, and then talks with them mm -hmm. like a human I mean, and says, please don't get up. Someone is going to come and help you. Okay. At the same time, alerts the clinicians on their endpoint devices. Mm -hmm. So they know them and they can see and talk with them mm -hmm. and prevent a fall. You are listening to Innovations for Aging Well, presented by Thrive Center Kentucky and awg55.com. The monthly podcast is powered by CDW, a provider of technology products and services for healthcare, business, government, and education. This series highlights thought leaders and innovators in long-term care. Today's episode features Deepak Gadapati, CTO of VirtuSense Technologies, and Larry Carlson, President and CEO of United Methodist Communities in New Jersey, discussing applications of VirtuSense technology in clinical and residential settings. More information about Deepak and his company, based in Peoria, Illinois, can be found at VIRTUSense. VirtuSense.ai. Larry Carlson, who is the president and CEO of United Methodist Communities in New Jersey. Welcome, Larry. Um, and the first question for you, my friend, is what challenges did you run into when executing uh, the VirtuSense applications and how did you overcome them? So, first of all, let me say how I 
first met Deepak. I, I was on, I'm on the claims committee of a, an insurance company uh, for senior living. And, uh, you know, the, about 60% of our claims are a result of a fall. And so we have a heightened sense of importance around anything we can do to mitigate falls. And so when I met Deepak and saw his um, product, I said, this is something we need to uh, get on board and, and really embrace. And so we, we brought in the first product, uh, VST Balance, and uh, we use that in our therapy program uh, for people who are uh, recovering from uh, surgery, uh, those who have decreased uh, mobility and those who have a decreased sense of balance, and really those people who are at risk for falls. And what was really remarkable about it was the adoption rate by both our staff and the residents uh, because the, the technology really engages the resident and the staff in the process. And that's really done through the gamification of it. So, you know, instead of going in and, and you know, raise your leg five times um, to, to do a, a therapy maneuver, um, Deepak has people skiing down a mountain and uh, doing a slalom course and, you know, moving their hips in order to get around the gates uh, or, uh, reaching across their body to pop balloons and everybody sort of forgets about the fact that they needed to lift their foot five times and they probably did it 25 times without even thinking about it and, and had fun doing it. So, um, I love, really I don't want to get too far from that term, Larry. I love the idea of gamification. That's yes. pretty cool. Yes. And so, uh, we really had a, a great sense of adoption and, um, you know, a lot of times you bring something new into into the building and people say, no, here we go again, something new. But um, this has been both uh, adopted well and the staff keep have been keep asking for more. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happened with the VST alert when we, we brought that in. We, we were fortunate enough to get a uh, FCC grant coming out of the CARES Act last winter uh, to uh, bring in uh, 80 of these units to uh, put in our skilled nursing facility to, uh, as Deepak described, mm-hmm. um, to, to monitor people proactively to uh, anticipate when they might be getting out of their bed, get out of the chair, and it gave the staff probably a 30-second head start in terms of intersecting with the residents preventing falls. And, and here's the most important part of the stuff. So um, our outcomes prior to us using this we had 226 falls in 16,000 patient days. It was about 14 falls per 1,000 patients last spring on a three-month period, April 1st through the end of June. And since the implementation of this, we had 13 falls in 5,000 patient days or about two and a half falls per 1,000 patients from July, mid-July to mid-October. That translates into an 82% decrease in falls. Wow. 82% decrease in falls. That's yeah. impressive. It's, it's mind-blowing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. that's, I mean, that's the genius behind this stuff. And Now, you know, granted, the, the, the 80 people we put it in their rooms, they were probably the highest risk fall levels. But mm-hmm. even so, I mean, 80% decrease. I mean, that's, that's a, just re- it's remarkable. That is remarkable. Um, so Larry and then Deepak, in terms of this uh, of AI monitoring the patients, 
Um, I saw your VST alert, which was basically looked like a uh, pack of index cards kind of stacked on one on top of the other and goes on to the wall. Um, two questions for you. One is, I'm sure some listeners may be thinking about Big Brother is watching. And there may be, are there any privacy concerns, Larry, that you have noticed in your residential community or Deepak? Have you already taken that out of the equation by introducing what I understand are basically blogs, so you really blobs, so you really images that you really can't define who the person is. So that that was our concern early on is the whole concept of Big Brother watching. But as as we became educated on the product, we realized that it's not a photograph like you and I think of a photograph. It's it's sort of a a sense that something is moving, but you don't really know who or what. So, so how it back back in Wisedale, how it works is we use a technology called uh, LiDAR. So it generates a 3D view using like voxel, like a blobby thing that you put on. I mean, very similar to autonomous cars used by I mean Uber and uh, Google. So it reconstructs the whole scene in 3D. And what we do is we have an AI chip on the sensor itself. So we never transmit any of this data. Everything is captured and processed on the AI chip. So only when the uh, when the compute understands the person is trying to get up, all we say is room number so and so. There is a bed or a chair exit. Or moving, I mean, moving forward, we can say the patient didn't turn in the bed, so we can re- reduce the risk for pressure ulcers. Mm-hmm. So the idea is, I mean compute locally on the edge and using LIDAR technology that uh, basically you look at people like huge blobs. Mm-hmm. So you can't see their dress they're wearing, you can you know, and there's no skin color or anything even on the sensor itself. Mm-hmm. And additionally, all this data never gets transmitted. So just to kind of introduce the cool factor into this, Deepak, uh, for our listeners, uh, you're basically looking like at the TSA uh, scanners as you're going to, to, through the gates. You really don't know if it's male or female. You just see an image there. Um, and I understand from the cool factor standpoint I, that you are the guy who created that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, Dale, I mean, very similar but different technologies. There we were using uh, X-ray backscatter technology initially. And this is literally infrared. So it's it's very it's almost harmless. Yeah. So and I think for our listeners, it's important for them to understand that kind of fix it in their minds that that, that that's what we're dealing with here. So so that that kind of uh, removes the concept of um, a big brother watching. Um, so Larry, in terms of connectivity. Um, if we're talking this kind of technology, mm-hmm. have there been any issues with reliable connectivity in the clinical or residential setting? So I, I would say, you know, initially, uh, yes, we did have some challenges. We had to work out in our various communities to make sure that the bandwidth was going to be sufficient to uh, to do that. But, you know, the Wi-Fi coverage and the availability can be a primary bottleneck to new, to new tech like communities like ours. Mm-hmm. But uh, we certainly were able to overcome them. And, um we charge charge forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Travis and Larry, I mean, did wonder, Travis did a wonderful job making sure the Wi-Fi was available mm-hmm. uh, across all the rooms when we deployed. I mean, we worked very closely with uh, the IT team per site. Mm-hmm. And uh, once we deployed, I think in the first few weeks, I mean, we have it pretty much teed up. It's working. It works 24 7 365, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's pretty good right now. Mm-hmm. You we had some we had some challenges on the installation with some unique room configurations we had, so we had to 
um, you know, figure out how these uh, cameras, uh, sensors were going to be mounted and we had to bring, you know, power to them. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously scheduling all of this during lockdown uh, was a challenge because mm. uh, since it all, it all had to be done in person. Mm -hmm. uh, but And really probably the biggest challenge initially was ensuring the staff that they could trust the capabilities of the system and, uh, you know, provide the training and time so that they could uh, use it. But at the end of the day, they love it. And, uh, you know, we, we were six months into it and they said, can't we get some more? <laughs> <laughs> you know, sp speaking of that to that point with training staff, um, I had this, I saw, read this article in Scientific America about uh, artificial intelligence and it had like a robot. Um, and I think in the Japanese markets, perhaps they're using it where it's a monitor and basically the nurse is coming in and interacting with you. Uh, Deepak, is that simplifying it too much or is that is what some of those international applications are for, for artificial intelligence and patient care? So, uh, so Dale, I mean, there's quite a few things where you can use AI. So what you're talking about is kind of telemedicine, where we're able to uh, do a pretty much a Zoom call in a hospital room or in a nursing home room with a family or with a physician. So from an AI standpoint, there's quite a few applications. Some of the most remarkable ones I'm seeing are more on predictive side, where we can figure out, I mean, a person is gonna have a stroke like months ahead of time, where we can anticipate, I mean, uh, uh, someone is going to run out of their far, I mean, drugs and ship them drugs to their home so that, I mean, they don't really have to go call Walgreens or call the pharmacy to get their uh, medication. Mm -hmm. And similarly, a few other things where we are seeing uh, great potential for AI is uh, people who have developmental disabilities. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're seeing a lot of uh, help from AI. At the end of the day, what AI is doing is it's making the clinician's life a lot easier. It's not augmenting or replacing anyone. So most of the times when people think AI, they think they're going to come and get our jobs. So as Larry and everyone else, I mean, who are working with us, what we're trying to do is when you're a clinician, there are a million things you got to worry about. You are staffing and getting right amount, proportionate amount of people to take care of seniors is a biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. And we want technologies to come in and ease up that load so you could do more with less and uh, be productive, right? So if mm -hmm. you figure out a person is going to have a urinary tract infection, all it takes you is a dollar pill. But you need to know they're going to have it. If not, they end up in the ED, you spend $25,000. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what we are trying to get to, the holy grail of how can we be predictive ahead of time and really move the needle. We started first on the falls, but then we evolved quite a bit after that. Mm -hmm. I so th I think this is this is where Deepak has really sort of stepped right into the current narrative coming out of the post-COVID world here. Mm -hmm. Because once we start when we started using his product called VST1, that now starts to measure heart rate, pulse ox, respirations, blood pressure, and the extent we can do that and monitor it remotely means that the caregivers don't have to get donned and doffed in PPE and go into the room and expose themselves potentially. Um, they can still communicate through that, uh, you know, so, sort of quasi Skype kind of a situation to find out what's going on mm -hmm. and only intersect with them in, in real time when they have to. So um, it get, gives us better monitoring um, mm -hmm. at much less risk. For our, for our uh, podcast listeners, again, you're listening to, uh, 
to uh, Innovations for Aging Well. Our guest you just heard from is Larry Carlson, President and CEO of United Methodist Communities in New Jersey. And we also have Deepak Gattapati, who's the founder of VirtuSense. And we also have Sherry Rose, the Executive Director of Thrive Center, which is a nonprofit innovation center focused on wellness and aging. All of this is made possible through the generosity of CDW, which is a provider of technology, products, and services for healthcare, business, government, and education. Larry, to ping off of your last point, um, do you see any barriers to future uh, adoption of, uh, of uh, VirtuSense product line, the suite of services to UMC communities? Well, I think some of the some things that probably need to change in terms of policy would be like the removal of the cross-border physician licensing to enable broader networks of providers. Uh, a, a number, a good number of those regulations were removed uh, in response to COVID-19, and you know we just hope that they're not going to come back. Mm-hmm. I think, the, secondly, we probably want to make sure we can have greater accessibility to all demographic groups, uh, and those technology requirements can exclude those who may need it the most. So we need to be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. And then, lastly, and to say, a lot of technology relies on the wireless connectivity, as we just talked about. Um, and a slight shift to the op, um, operationalization of 4G and 5G networks to provide an alternative to the capital required to install those upgrade mm-hmm. uh, enterprise requirements mm-hmm. would be helpful too. Good point. Deepak, back to your uh, point when we were talking a minute ago about uh, you, you made the uh, connection or the, yeah, the connection to telehealth. Um, and, and you raise the specter of people p- potentially thinking they're going to be losing their jobs, right? I'm going to be replaced by this robot and by artificial intelligence. So the question is, while it protects uh, medical care workers, especially now in this infectious environment of COVID, what about what, what how do the. Um, let me phrase it this way. What percentage of time or interplay would you say percentage of AI versus actual uh, human touch, inter- human interaction, caregivers with patients? You said augments, but what percentage of that augments versus taking over? Yeah, so let me explain very, very simply how this all works. I mean, we are launching a product called VST Care for monitoring of people at home. So today, if you think about an average senior, uh, they get about two to three uh, data points on them in a, any given week. I mean, who, are, who have chronic conditions. They have about two to three data points about these seniors in a given week. So with the care, with the watch and the armband we are launching, we will be getting about 700 data points in a week about these seniors. Mm-hmm. So the point is, I mean, if you really have to have someone look at all this data and figure out what is happening to them, I mean, there's no way you can, it's scalable, right? I mean, so you need technologies like AI to look at this massive data and figure out ahead of time who's going to have a stroke, I mean, who's going to have a respiratory failure or who's going to have sepsis so you can intervene earlier. So it's not a percentage per se. What we're doing is uh, until now, you've got vital data on people. Even in a hospital floor, you get vital data on people once every four hours or once every eight hours. Mm-hmm. That's that's way too late. I mean, there's a lot of changes that happen in that time. And if you have technologies like our VST one or care, what it does is it basically continuously monitors all the time. And only when there is a need, then it alerts the clinicians. So the clinicians can be a little more, uh, can do other things they need to do, like spend time talking with the patients because 
the most important complaint you hear these days, whether it be primary care physicians or nurses or any clinicians, is they have to do so much charting. They have to put all this data into the EMR, and they don't have face time with the patients. Mm-hmm. So what the technology we are developing is doing is that's doing it all automatically in the back end. So, and being predictive, so the clinician can actually go and talk and understand more details about the patient. They can spend more face time. And in situations where you don't walk into the room, like in a COVID situation, mm-hmm. you could do tele, you can enable the telemedicine and telehealth side of things. So you can just do everything remote. Dale, this is what really works well for my home care division. So we're, we're taking care of people who are actually at home. And so the extent to which we can have these kind of monitors for them, we can keep tabs on folk, a, a lot of people, without sending people out and driving around and uh, just to collect that information. So mm-hmm. that is a real big potential future use of this kind of technology that's going to be very impactful as more and more people want to s- stay at home and age in place gracefully. Well, well said. Well, yeah, stay home and aging well, gracefully. Um, so, so Larry, I gather then from a business standpoint, that was certainly improve. I don't want to call it profit margin, but it certainly improves the profitability of your business. Would that be correct? Well, sure, because it expands our reach as well. Right, exactly. So you got more yeah. market share. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one thing, Dale. One, I mean, there's a lot of negatives that were part of COVID, but it thought, I mean, I think what happened was healthcare acceleration from technology standpoint happened a 10-year acceleration in a one-year time frame. Mm-hmm. Because uh, everyone was forced to figure out, I mean, how are we going to provide care when we have minimal resources, when most people are home or in their own rooms or in their own apartments. Mm-hmm. So that's what led to a lot of breakthrough in getting technology out. So the fall prevention company, I mean, we stepped ahead and moved into vital monitoring, uh, predictive AI, and telemedicine, telehealth, uh, quite a few areas, right? I mean, and we took the challenge, our engineering group took the challenge. We were we had it in the roadmap, but what it is when COVID hit, I mean, I was talking to a lot of, uh, I mean, like uh, people like Larry, I mean, who are really in the midst of it and they really needed technology help. And mm-hmm. we accelerated the whole process, uh, went through the approval process. And uh, today we have solutions that are completely transformative, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's not just like moving, I mean, 5% reduction in falls or 10%. We're talking 30, 40, 50% plus, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, 80, 80%. I mean, these are numbers, I mean, I mean, if you told me before when we were starting at Vortisense, we would have we would accomplish these kind of numbers. I would say, man, that would be too good to be true. <laughs> but today, I mean, we have uh, good data. I mean, a lot of places. I mean, one thing we can I can tell you is the technology is as good as it is. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you need clinicians to adapt and use it, or else it's no good. I mean, if people, I mean, if people who provide care don't adapt it's going to sit and collect dust, right? So mm-hmm. number day one, our rule was we got to build something that is easy to use, that is quick to adapt, and people would love. So very intuitive, I gather, especially for non-techies. <laughs> First, you, you got to make it simple, right? I mean, if you make your life harder, like Zoom, I mean, uh, pretty simple. Most likely, I mean, it takes two buttons as long as the internet and the technology works in the back end. <laughs> I think the frontline caregivers have really felt the power of the results. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's really enabled them to fully embrace it and want more of it. Mm-hmm. That just, makes sense. They've just seen it's so impactful. Yeah, I, and I I got to give a lot of credit to Larry, his leadership and his leadership team, and the and the clinical team there. These guys are go getters, right? I mean, right in the middle of COVID, we deployed this man, and it was not an easy task, I mean, because of all the restrictions. Mm-hmm. And we went through deployed. I mean, they got it. I mean, within like first few days, everyone was up and running, and they embraced and they get the alerts. They're in there, and we. Reduce the false alarms today to about once every three days, you get one false alarm. So mm-hmm. most of the time when you get an alert, you run to the room and you're preventing a fall and helping seniors. That's excellent. And that's what this is all about with the, uh, with, uh, in terms of wellness and aging, you know, is innovations. And that's why the Thrive Center is so critical to this, as is uh, CDW in making this uh, podcast possible. Um, Larry, what advice, what advice would you give other organizations that may want to follow your lead in uh, this process of adopting VirtuSense? So I, I would say uh, don't be afraid to take risks and try and pilot new technologies. And then just make sure you fail quickly and move on. <laughs> uh, but if you, if you don't try this stuff up, you're, you're not going to... Um, build it into the culture of, of your organization, and you're not gonna see the result. And it's it's not like, and you sort of need to wade into it. You can't just you know jump in the deep end of the pool, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, don't be afraid to take the risk. And then uh, invest in your community's technology infrastructure, bandwidth and Wi-Fi. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just a given in order to make all this stuff work. So you've got to make that happen. Larry, we always call that don't be on the bleeding edge, be on the leading edge. That's good. Say that again, Sherry. You don't ever want to be on the bleeding edge. You want to be on the leading edge. Yeah, that's good. That's a good way. I think that's good for any kind of entrepreneur and kind of innovator because that's true across all sectors, you know, that, 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 that you have to apply that. Um, Larry, give us a from zero to uh, give us from your where your white your where your uh, your bandwidth was prior to adopting VirtuSense and what you had to increase it to approximately. Can you talk us through that? Um, let me just say, ten years ago, we didn't even own a server. Wow, wow, so, that so says Dale, a lot. I will I will answer a little bit. So when we don't, yeah, Deepak, you probably know better than I do about. <laughs> That so, concept. So, yeah. So we I just say make it so and they don't go do it. Right, right, right. <laughs> hey, IT, make this happen. Right. Yeah. So the thing is, I mean, all we need is a wireless or a wired internet connection. We can run hundreds of these sensors on a dial-up modem. The reason is we don't send any of this data, like video streaming out. All the processing is done locally. So all we do is we just say this room there is an alert and we ping the servers and figure out who are all the endpoint devices, the nurses that are carrying them. Mm-hmm. So technically, mm-hmm. I mean, this doesn't need a lot of bandwidth, but all it needs is a continuous Wi-Fi to be present, right? Mm-hmm. Because you are running this all the time. When you're alerting, if the Wi-Fi is not there, it doesn't get to the endpoint devices. So you need a secure Wi-Fi to be available. Mm-hmm. And is this, uh, Larry, where in the beginning of our conversation, you alluded to someone named Travis? Is he kind of that process? Yeah, he's our corporate director of te- technology. Yeah. 
So I gather then, if you have this kind of um, this kind of melding of technologies, um, uh, you know, and given that, and given artificial intelligence and the future of it, I think Larry, during one of our previous conversations, you predicted that someone who does not adopt this virtue sense or this kind of technology, you predict, will be left in the dust in about four years. Yeah, I mean, I I think that, and I would put it broader than that, just AI in general. I mean, right now we're looking at AI in terms of our all our in, internal. Uh, operating processes, and you know how much can we uh, make them more efficient by putting AI into them? That and that goes from all of our back office functions as well as our clinical functions. Mm-hmm. And it really, it's it's uh, really trying to improve the accuracy of our data analytics within the organization, so we can make better and more timely decisions. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, and I, I think I think. Everyone's going to, you're going to need to do it. Otherwise you are going to be left in the dust. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, AI is not going to replace people, Dale. AI is going to replace people who don't use AI. Mm-hmm. That's what is going to happen. If you are in the, uh, if you're not using technology to improve the outcomes, to improve the care or improve your profitability at the end of the day, I mean, it's going to be hard to stay in business because other people will figure out better efficiencies and how to deliver better outcomes. Mm-hmm. Well, Deepak, while you're looking into your crystal ball, um, I was reading about these supercomputers on Wall Street, where in nanoseconds, stock decisions can be made, canceled, bought, etc., uh, which basically, I mean, is faster than the human brain based upon pred- predictions of indexes. So do you see in your crystal ball virtue sense coming up with a product which will not only which will not only be predictive of behavior but will also suggest a clinical treatment for that behavior before the nurse or doctor can even come to that conclusion. Do you see that happening or is that kind of too far fetched? Uh, I mean it's not that far fetched. I mean I don't want to say virtue sense is going to do it. I can just say I mean probably 10 15 years from now we will have, I mean, already there are some levels happening for certain conditions where you have chatbots that basically are talking with uh, patients, uh, understanding their conditions and trying to figure out what kind of deficiencies they have. I mean, this, this all goes to places where today, if you want to have a primary care visit, I mean, it's about a hundred bucks. I mean, uh, I mean, even if you don't have an insurance or co-pays, it's a minimum of hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. If you have a chatbot that can, uh, do this, it's probably going to cost you 10 to 15 cents. Wow. And this is this all comes to increasing the accessibility of care in underserved areas and people who don't have insurances. This is where I think uh, AI can play a very good role initially. And eventually, once you build up the data pile, like you have this data on a million people tracked over like 20 years or 10 million people over 20 years, the models are going to be good. They're not going to replace, but they will augment. So mm-hmm. what it's going to happen is today, even Vertisense does it at some level saying, these are the best interventions you can provide. And the probability if you use that it will get these people this much better in this much time. Mm-hmm. So the clinicians can actually have this data on their fingertips. And who does all the research, I mean, update every single year, every single month. But AI, I mean, it's a computer, right? I mean, these are, and you can feed in all the journals, all the publications, all the data. And the information is going to be on your fingertips. And the clinician ultimately has to decide what to use, but it can be a good guide. This cost, uh, Larry, uh, you kind of touched on that a little while ago, that this kind of a, this is a significant investment 
for a facility for a community. Um, so in terms of uh, cost or how did you pay for it, not to delve into your business practices, but um, how do you pay for this? Because this cannot be, uh, while, it's, while it's ideal, it has to be affordable in terms of your, your, your model, correct? So how'd you do that, Larry? Well, I mean, fortunately, we, um, when the CARES Act was passed last April, we applied for the FCC grant and we were awarded a significant amount in that, in that award and that enabled us to, uh, to, to really fully embrace this and, and uh, execute it across the entire system. Um, and I think, you know, the challenge is that uh, how do we make this more affordable so that the uh, average community can do that? And hopefully, like other technology, over a period of time, as things become more efficient, the, the price will uh, will drop and, and make it more uh, affordable. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly, Dale. That's a, that's a very good point Larry brings up. When we started this technology, it was pretty expensive, obviously as we are manufacturing the volumes in thousands or tens of thousands very soon, the cost will go down pretty fast. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are already, I mean, uh, providing this technology at a fraction of the cost that we used to a year before. And next year, probably it's going to be uh, get better. So we are creating ROIs. If you see the cost of the fall versus the ramifications of it, even from a post-acute constitution, one of the main reasons why the residents move out of a uh, post-acute care institution is because of having a fall. I mean, quite a bit of them, uh, about 80% of the people who have a fall with injury uh, die within 12 months. Mm. It's- and, and back to pragmatics and my insurance company claims committee, you know, one litigate, litigious fall will pay for a lot of uh, technology. Well, yeah. Good point. So, so, so it, it would be a better defense to at least say we had a predictive in, index. We had AI, something which could have pre- prevented your mother, your father, whomever from falling, breaking a hip, and passing away. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, Dale, it's pretty. I mean, we are running a bunch of numbers now in terms of what is the ROI or the value we create. Mm-hmm. If you see, I mean, it's I mean somewhere between two to three thousand dollars a month is what you're spending for both balance and alert in your whole community. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we are uh, able to recoup the cost within a quarter. And after that, I mean, it's all profit margin. As mm-hmm. Larry was implying, I mean, a, a fall with injury, I mean, a lawsuit just is about a couple of hundred thousand dollars, give or take. Mm-hmm. Sherry, in terms of innovation, in terms of uh, what uh, Deepak is doing and what Larry is uh, applying, that has to be a game changer when you're talking about innovation in long-term care, correct? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, especially we started with falls because we realized that starts the decline of our aging adults. And, and, you know, when you're looking at uh, U.S. healthcare costs annually of $50 billion, that's a huge impact on the U.S. healthcare system. And, you know, the other thing that we look at, too, there are, what, about 3 million falls a year uh, for people going into ER, about 840,000 or so are hospitalized. Uh, but how many go unreported? And because people are really hesitant to say, I have fallen because that family member may uh, get into the middle of it and want them to move out of their house. And mm-hmm. so we really focus quite a bit on falls. And, you know, as Larry and Deepak have pointed out, um, you know, it takes that fault leader that says, we're going to do this, and they really see how it hits their bottom line, 
And then it takes what I see with entrepreneurs like Deepak and VirtuSense Technologies is they pivot as the industry pivots. So as they see other needs, uh, they started with balance, but then they saw falls that occurred from people getting out of bed too soon, uh, out of a chair. And so they pivoted into that market. And then uh, next was on COVID. So we rely on these entrepreneurs who take the breadth of their knowledge and create products that allow uh, the United Methodist and other communities to be more innovative and to really, they see the ROI on their bottom line. Very good. Well, thank you so much for your time, Deepak Gattapati. And also, Larry Carlson, you guys have been great. I appreciate you weighing in on this topic, on this edition of Innovations for Aging Well. This edition was made possible by CDW, which is a provider of technology, products, and services for healthcare, business, government, and education. I'm your host, Dale Josie, and I look forward to, uh, hopefully you'll tune in for a future podcast of Innovations for Aging Well. And if you have any questions about today's podcast or you want to contact uh, Thrive Center directly, uh, please go to their website, thrivecenterky.org, or you can also call them at area code 502-631-9422. Have a great day, and we look forward to you listening again to Innovations for Aging Well, presented by Thrive Center and awg55.com. Thank you.